Welcome to the Stress Reduce Fat Loss Podcast, where we teach and mentor you, the health and fitness professional, on how to holistically transform your client's body, health, and life. I'm one of your hosts, Sarah Fennell. Alongside me, you'll hear from Joe Arco, Ken Sylvan, and Barat Oza. Each episode will have a combination of us sharing our 70 plus years of combined knowledge and experience in the health and body transformation industry. Our goal is to help expand your awareness of holistic transformations and teach you how to get deeper results for your clients. Let's jump into this episode. Welcome back to the Stress Reduced Fat Loss Podcast. You got your host, Sarah, here. We got Ken. We got Brat. Hey, gentlemen. How you doing? Good, good. How are you, Brat? I'm doing fantastic. Awesome. Uh, today in this episode, we're going to chat about what we call the Furious Five, uh, which I think is a topic all three of us could sit here and chat about all day long. Yeah, that's something I think we've all had experience with, I guess, in terms of how we feel and personally. So yeah, we could... I could talk forever. I know that. Yeah. 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 Even holistic health. We could sit here and geek out all day long. <laughs> yeah. So let's, uh, let's break down what these furious five are. If anybody who's listening, like what are the furious five, uh, it's a group of foods and, you know, w- you know, we teach the transformation mentorship and this is a huge part of our students taking these foods out of their own client's diet, uh, because they can make the biggest impact in a client. Now there are all these things you can do from a holistic perspective, but starting to look at nutrition and quality of nutrition is foundational, foundational for a client's health. And so Brat, why don't you run down, like explain what the furious five are, and then we'll tell, we'll talk about what each of those five are. Yeah. So furious five are pretty much these foods that put your system in a state of fight or flight. They create a lot of inflammation, uh, which again, starts affecting your gut. Um, It starts affecting your digestive system, your detoxification pathways, even your nervous system. So it's really one of those things that when your system's stressed, it doesn't care about fat loss. And that's really one of the themes that we teach in our mentorship is how do we get people out of that state of fight or flight? And in the last podcast, we spoke about different types of stressors. So this is one of those major nutrition stressors where people eat them all the time and it stress it throws them out of balance. So when we start eliminating them, that gives their body time to recover, feel safe so that it can start doing the other processes. Yeah. Yeah. And Ken, what are those furious five? Let's rhyme them off for us. Uh, wheat, dairy, corn, soy, and sugar. Corn and sugar. And, and it's interesting because we we rhyme these off and they're pretty much in everything when we look at conventional food. Yeah, they're everywhere. You know, they're and more, I would say even more so. I find North America tends to really push them in more. I did a little post on Instagram. I found someone online had a great post and they're comparing UK and the and North America, Australia and North America. Even had one Canada and US, and it didn't turn out so well because I think we were worse in it. But it showed the differences like things like cereals and you know, and, and Fruit Loops and all these other things. And it's like, wow, it was, it was pretty interesting for sure. Yeah. yeah. I think I actually saw that they were even comparing ketchup, like Heinz ketchup. Yeah. 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 And how much like high fructose corn syrup, you know, sugar is in that and all these extra ingredients. And it makes you think, well, if the UK can keep ingredients down to a more, you know, conservative, healthy way, you know, why can't we do that here in North America? Yeah. I always thought they were worse. I thought, you know, they're giant chocolate bars and everything. I thought they'd be worse. I was like, oh my gosh, we're horrible down here. What's going on? Yeah. Yeah. Um, And so, you know, both of you are still in the field working with clients, which I think is so amazing. Of all the clients you see come in, how many of them would you say are eating Furious Five? All of them. 
Yeah. Especially because a lot of those are also marketed as healthy foods, right? Eat your whole grains, uh, drink milk for healthy bones. Uh, you, you know, you're always different things, right? Um, corn is very good for fiber and which it is, but what else comes with it? You know? Um, so there's a lot of these healthy foods or things that we've been told are healthy that we should be consuming that contain all of these foods. So, yeah, even look at, you know, like the paradigm and, you know, what people believe in, you know, I grew up in the nineties. I know Ken, you're, you know, eighties, nineties growing up, uh, same with Barat. And, you know, Canada's food guide, which was out, you know, those four groups of food. And it, it's interesting, like, you know, as we start learning about holistic health, we look at that, that food guide, we're like, wait a minute, this has so many furious five in it and, and processed foods and, you know, not great quality meats. And then it comes out, I think it was um, maybe like five or six years ago of like the Canada's food guide being wrong. Um, and how like companies were being paid to be in there and all the, you know, the grain industry and everything like that. But it's like a blip in the news. Like it's like one article, like shoved all the way into a newspaper that nobody reads, <laughs> but then people have grown up. And if we're not in the holistic space or don't know about this stuff, we just think that, you know, you got to have your Activia yogurt to get your bowels moving and <laughs> all this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. In, let's talk, chat about inflammation before we start really breaking these down. Um, you know, Barat, what does inflammation really do in the body and what is that progression and why do we want to avoid it? So inflammation, just to oversimplify it, is kind of like, uh, you know, when we burn our finger, the finger becomes uh, sensitive, red, swollen, starts holding water in that area. Uh, that, imagine that in all your organs, you know, your, all your organs, all your muscles, your joints are literally burnt and swollen and sensitive and red. Um, and so that, again, just starts creating different things for different people. So people can experience inflammation in different ways. Some of them may have cognitive challenges where they have so much brain fog, low energy, my memory's off, all the way to anxiety, depression, things like that. Some people may experience it more as I'm just always bloated or my appetite's down, or it could go all the way to things like constipation, diarrhea, um, in extreme cases, even diverticulitis, uh, colitis, IBS, all these things are all the, the root of all of this is inflammation. And then you have your autoimmune conditions. Um, we've heard of leaky gut. Uh, we've heard of like, uh, you know, again, autoimmune challenges like Hashimoto's, um, which all of this is, again, goes back to that inflammation. So it's, it's your body's stress response to these foods. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, we want inflammation. It's great from a like burn your hand and your, your skin's going to inflame and heal itself. But when we're constantly putting the aggravator into the body and it's like assault on the body, assault on the body, assault on the body, it's like being in a punching match all the time and not having a break. Yeah. 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 The body gets uh, really worn down. Yeah. yeah. Um, Ken, let's chat about inflammation and water retention and how, you know, just lowering inflammation can really, you know, start to take weight off of a client and it might not even be fat at that point. Yeah, we see that so much with clients when they have uh, inflammation. I always try to remind them that they always think it's body fat. Whenever they gain weight, oh my gosh, I gained weight over the weekend. It must be body fat. And remember, if you just drop, kick me in the face and my face swells, that's not body fat. Yeah, it's mucus fluid, it's water, it's, it's all these different things that the system is doing um, to coat the system and calm it down. Okay. And that's going to be something that a lot of people, especially if your digestion is damaged, if you have gut issues or you know, damage to the gut lining or, you know, low stomach acid, all the things we talk about in the mentorship, 
they're inflamed from the inside. So it's like, how are you ever going to have you know, a really lean midsection if the inside of the cells, the lining is damaged, that's inflamed from the inside. Now you're not seeing that, that, that lean skin and you think, oh, it must be body fat. But a lot of clients, when they work on gut healthy, work on digestion with them or, or students working at, uh, through their mentorship, they start saying, hey, you know what? I don't have as much body fat as I think. I'm actually a lot drier. I'm actually a lot leaner than I thought. And it comes back to that, that example of getting punched in the eye. If every month, every week, Sarah, you punched me in the eye, after a while, I'd be chronically like swollen around my eye socket. You wouldn't see the bone there. And it would take time. Even if you stopped punching me for a month, it would still take a while to come down before you could start seeing the rim around my eye socket. So people need to remember that, that inflammation from, from gut damage or from uh, having inflammatory foods we're going to talk about today, that's the mucus fluid from the inside. And, and the thing is, you, you can't out-train that. You can't, uh, you know, out-diet that. You can't do cardio to get rid of that. That's, that's your system's going to always send you those signals saying, I'm stressed and I need help. So, you know, it doesn't just people think that, oh, it's water weight. Let's take a diuretic or let's eat dandelion greens or whatever, or celery juice. Um, it doesn't fix the issue. You can keep pulling the water out. It's still there. So I can't just run in my sauna and get rid of it though. <laughs> Nope. <laughs> yeah. And that's the thing. And I like Why? what you said there too, Ken, about like, it takes a while for this inflammation to go down. And so, you know, people might, you know, clean up their, clean up their diet, you know, for a week and it's like, nothing's happening. Well, you need to, you know, remove that irritator for a long enough time. So the, you know, the tissues actually begin to heal and then you can see the progress. And, you know, you look at the, and I'll say average person, I don't mean to put people into categories, but someone who does not know about holistic health and quality of ingredients, they're in this constant state of inflammation. And, you know, disease cannot survive um, in no inflammation, like disease needs inflammation. It, it's what that precursor is, right? It's like a cumulative effect of years or decades of inflammatory response for inflammatory response where the system starts to break down. And so that first step with clients is like, let's remove what we're putting in the body causing so much inflammation. So let's break down this, you know, corn, dairy, gluten, soy, sugar. Let's start with corn. Um, Ken, give us the rundown. Like what is so wrong with corn? Uh, corn is probably the most genetically modified, you know, so a product we have in North America. And we don't see it in other countries, but here we produce so much of it. And we've made this strain so strong to, you know, to be resilient to bugs and other chemicals, other things. Now it's like this crop that it just doesn't die, <laughs> you know, like bad weather, you name it, bugs, anything, that thing's going to live. And as a result, we see a difference even in our digestion. We make a joke about, you know, eating corn and seeing it in your stools, but that's just because our gut hasn't evolved fast enough for all the modifications to the corn, you know? So that modification, where does that go when you use those chemicals? It affects us, you know, it affects our body. And now we're being modified in essence. And I remember, oh, geez, this is probably 18 years ago. We know when we were running health centers, Bart, remember that? And I, with my staff at the time, I said, hey, you know what, let's, let's have a little fundraiser. We're going to gain as much weight as we can. You know, have a film, you have someone to film it, like almost like a battle for the Olympia, you know, and then we're going to diet back down. And I said, geez, how am I going to win this? And I wanted a corn-based diet. Ronnie Coleman was doing that. So I ate grits, cornbread, corn, uh, corn products, everything I had had corn in all the time. And I was, I easily went from 190 to 230 in about eight weeks. Wow. So, and that's just having a corn-based diet. I think it, that still did damage to my system for years to come after. And that was, that was, I was astounded at how fast I could get big. But then after that, months later, I started having joint issues, other issues like inflammatory 
issues, right? So that's a that's a big thing with corn. So. And and corn is also used to uh, fatten up cows. <laughs> Literally, that's that's why they 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 feed them corn. Uh, even a lot of grass fed uh, cows, they are corn finished because it actually marbles the meat. Is that what I was? <laughs> so yeah. What's it doing to the person, right? We'll just fatten you up there, Ken. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was going to ask how you felt doing that. I'm sure, you know, and that's interesting, like months after even doing it, you were noticing uh, the symptoms. Yeah, you know, it was it was interesting. Like, uh, I noticed a couple of things in the wintertime. I had increased thermogenesis. I was warm all the time. Like I was walking around in a T-shirt in the wintertime, shoveling my driveway in shorts. I was like, wow, this is a, I'm ever cold. I'm always like boiling warm. Um, but then I started noticing rolls in the back of my head. You know, little, little things, you know, like your knees getting fat because I wasn't sleeping great mm-hmm. as much, right? Um, just little thing, mobility issues, you know, um, but then digestive issues started coming. And that's when I was like, okay, obviously dieted down, got in great shape, but the digestive issues stayed. Yeah. The, the damage was done, right? So, yeah. And that that's the thing. It's, it's that genetically modified version of corn. Um, I, I love popcorn and I can even tell the difference if I like, and I like to actually pop it and put some ghee on some nutritional yeast. Um, if I don't use organic popcorn, my gut's a wreck, even actually, you know, organic popcorn, it's still not great, but like I'm a wreck the next day, um, bloated out, constipated, like pains in my stomach, waking up if I just eat normal popcorn. Yeah. Yeah, But I know you have a lot of, uh, we have a, we have a big history of popcorn with you. Uh, we won't talk about it. We could talk about it, but you definitely have a good story with popcorn. Well, that was microwave popcorn. That that's just just messed up anyway. It's levels of being messed up. But um, yeah, I, I'm the same way. Corn doesn't work for me, and but popcorn's an issue. Well, it used to be. It's not so much anymore, but yeah. uh, definitely feel it. Like I can feel it. Like my skin will be different. Bowel movements are different. Yeah, for sure. You even look at, I mean, I think we've all eaten popcorn and they get stuck in your teeth, right? Like those kernels. And you even think about that going through your digestive tract and just like... Like barbed wire. Uh, that's why people with uh, diverticulitis, which are like small, how would you explain that, Barat? It's like pockets um, of in the in the digestive tract. Intestine, I believe, or is it large intestine, small intestine? I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so stuff will get caught in there, and popcorn's really bad for that. Yeah, yeah. What are some of the symptoms that can come up with corn? Uh, you could definitely see um, back pain, joint pain. Those are big ones. Um, skin, skin drying because it'll push the adrenals, then it'll pull out water, uh, bloating, definite weight gain is a big one. You'll see a lot of weight gain. And I've seen, actually, I went and go, I went and go and took a peek at certain places that have a higher corn, uh, ingestion rate. And you see a lot of hip and knee replacements in those areas. Mm. And I was like, Oh, that's a, not saying that's a direct correlation, but it seemed like a, a nice, wow, those seem to be common together. Um, seeing that a lot of, a lot of hip and joint issues. Right. So, yeah. Hmm. All right. Let's chat about dairy, cheese, milk, yogurt, ice cream, all that good stuff. What is, so dairy has been around for a long time. We won't even get into a conversation of who discovered how to uh, drink milk from a cow. (laughs) You always see that meme, right? Like the man who figured this out is probably really messed up. (laughs) Yeah. But um, you know, you look at, there's no other species that drinks another species milk. Um, you know, there are other species that eat other eggs of animals. Um, but when it comes to the milk of, of a female, um, 
uh, animal, you know, this is meant for a baby growing from that same species. And so, you know, Barat, what are some of the, the, let's just say the negative effects of humans eating, drinking dairy? So uh, I, I also want to be fair and say that there is a lot of uh, information I've read recently from very intelligent people that show that you can actually ingest dairy, but it has to be uh, certain forms of raw milk is way better, um, even just from the kind of bacteria it has, and we can actually digest it. Um, there's also a certain kind of cow. It's like this, this I'm, I'm probably messing this up, but there's like type something and type something. And if you're drinking milk from this particular type, there's less inflammatory response from it. Um, but for the most people in North America, having any kind of dairy, you're, you don't know what, you know, first of all, let's just take the milk itself. It was meant to, you know, grow a, a calf into a cow. So now you're getting all of that uh, growth hormone in your system besides whatever is injected and fed to the cow. Right. And I always say this, right. Think about the demand for dairy and the natural production rate of a cow. Like how are they keeping up with that? Yeah. You know, so there's definitely just that alone makes you think there's a lot of manipulation that's done, whether it's injecting hormones, whether it's, you know, again, factory farming methods to uh, make these cows lactate all the freaking time so that we can keep up with the demand. And then what is done to that milk? Right. So not only is the cow fed foods that it shouldn't be eating anyway um, and injected with different things, then also injecting antibiotics and things like that. So now all of that is in the dairy and then they, they pasteurize dairy. And there's lots of research showing pasteurization is horrible for any kind of food. Um, so now they're killing the bacteria that could possibly help you digest it. Um, and then there's also all the processing that happens. There's a, there's a, you know, they make chocolate milk out of it and strawberry milk and all of these different things. Uh, there's a, there's a video somewhere on, I'm sure it's on YouTube or somewhere where they've actually shown, uh, there's a certain amount of blood pus, uh, infections that are allowed in milk. And so that's also why they keep pasteurizing and they're like, they get it to a certain ratio. And to get it to that ratio, oftentimes they'll add corn syrup, sugar, flavors, all these different things to make it look like, oh, look, the ratio of the blood and pus and fungus and insects is like so low. Uh, and then they sell you the chocolate milk. So uh, lots of issues hormonally, the chemicals, the, the our inability to digest it. Um, and yes, some people may digest cheese better than milk. Um, some people may digest, let's say, sheep milk or goat milk better than regular cow's milk. So there is there's a spectrum on which this inflammatory response exists. Uh, but for the most part, we, we always ask clients to take it off, at least for a while. And then we may down the road introduce something like goat's milk, sheep cheese, feta cheese, something like that, if they can handle it. Yeah, I remember that story. I remember when we first started learning this stuff, we were at a, you know, like a... Uh, we're actually like going around and telling people these things and there was dairy farmers there and, and then they kind of made their way to the party and you thought there's going to be problems here. We're going to throw down, yeah. <laughs> we're going to throw down with some dairy farmers. And they were like, yeah, no, you're, you're right. You, you know, keep doing wherever you learn that, keep doing what you're doing. You're right. We don't feed our kids that either chocolate milk. Yeah. And we are like, Oh, we thought we we're going to get like hooved in the face for that. And that was, that was a big eye opener. 
Yeah. And, and, it's, and to be clear, it's not the dairy farmers that are creating the chocolate milk or whatever, right? Oh, no. It's it's the food companies that are doing all that. So yeah, yeah. yeah. Just to I be think, clear, dairy farmers. Yeah, and I like what you said there too, Brad. About it's it's not necessarily the dairy or the milk. It's what happens, you know, to that cow producing it, and what happens after that milk has been excreted. And I think that goes for all of these Furious Fives. It's it's more so about what has the manipulation been done over time? Because you know we've had dairy around for a long time. Corn has been around for a long time. You know, uh, gluten and wheat, which we'll talk about in a more in a moment. But it's like what has happened over time that's made the body an inability to be able to digest it, handle it, and so forth. And, and even if you look back at research done by Weston A. Price, uh, who was a dentist who went around the world and studied all these tribes, the when a lot of hunter-gatherers started settling and agriculture was introduced and they could grow wheat and corn and grains, they found since then, and of course there's the influence of you know a, a Western culture going into these tribes, but also besides that, the tribes that started settling and did more agriculture, they started having a lot more dental issues, more health issues compared to the ones that stayed hunter-gatherers. So it, it's a, a very distinct, uh, I know we're talking about dairy, but you know yeah. we were talking about corn and we're going to talk about gluten. Yeah. Um, so you can even see that in the evolution of all our tribes. Yeah. And even look at, uh, you know, species, like there's no other species except for humans that actually take a natural food source and make it into something else. Yeah. And and, then, you know, you look at all the health problems, even look, you know, cats and dogs who have been domesticated and our pets being fed all this cheap stuff, having, you know, cancer and and joint issues and so forth because of the, the cheap ingredients, even in in pet food now. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's, it's, even for us, I know over the last two decades, we started seeing trends with people, women having uh, not just cysts and fibroids, but hysterectomies. We started seeing a, a very high trend of women that had strong reactions to dairy and hysterectomies. And if they're on their way to having a hysterectomy and we started removing dairy, uh, suddenly, all of a sudden, they wouldn't have these issues inflaming their liver and the reproductive center as much, uh, which we, we started seeing over and over and over again. And that's a, a massive a massive thing I see dairy affect either bowel, skin, or reproductive for them. Yeah. Those are one of those three ways, right? So. Yeah. Any other symptoms you notice when it comes to dairy? I know for myself, like it, this mucus that will just like sit in my throat. Yeah. Mucus is, you get a lot of mucus. Uh, kids will show that with ear infections, you know, every child talks about, you know, two of my kids had ear infections. One didn't, you know, uh, we'll see, as I said, we'll see painful period cycles. Cycle issues is a massive thing uh, that we've seen over the period of time. Uh, distension in the midsection. You know, we're all have been in the somewhat fitness bodybuilding world. You sir, obviously, on a higher level there, but even competitors going to the nationals, you know, changing any dairy and they get drier by the afternoon. Seeing little things like that, there's always that film of inflammation. Even if you're someone from Norway who can handle the dairy genetically, and you, you know you're a part of that 25%, it still shows up as people getting drier, leaner uh, without it. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's chat about gluten. We've been uh, touching on it a little bit there. Um, you know, gluten, wheat, rye, barley, those are the three sources of it. Yeah. Spelt, I think spelt is spelt. Yeah, wheat, rye, barley, spelt. Uh, and oats, uh, oats naturally doesn't have it, but because it gets processed with gluten or wheat, uh, yeah. there's a lot of cross contamination. Yes. That's why I'm, I'm happy to see pa- a lot of packages now, you know, letting us know what is gluten-free. Um, I'm, I'm big into oat milk right now and I have to get the gluten-free oat milk. Uh, and so 
Gluten, I think we know from a celiac, people have heard uh, of celiac, which is an extreme, um, uh, I think that's an autoimmune condition yeah. Uh, yeah, of gluten, which massively inflames the digestive tract. What does gluten really do to our body, Barat, uh, from an inflammatory perspective? So just kind of like all these foods do, it's, it starts, there's certain things in gluten. Uh, there's another protein in gluten called gliadin which is also just as damaging. And both of those pretty much trigger your body's, um, what's it called, immune system. So it just sets off this alarm in your system and now your system's hypervigilant. And so it starts releasing a lot of uh, histamines, antibodies, all of those things to start like, oh, what's all this, right? Which again, nothing works in isolation in your system. So it's not that it's happening in one corner of your body, your whole system is like on fire. Um, and so remember when the system's on fire, all the other processes slow down. So your digestion slows down, your detoxification slows down, your metabolism slows down, um, and all the other organ functions slow down. While this is literally all these proteins from whether it's gluten or gliadin are now attacking your mucus lining in the large intestine, affecting the stomach, the small intestine. It, it, it again, kind of leads to that leaky gut where now your not only is the lining getting thin, but the actual large intestine wall starts getting more permeable than it should be. So now what happens is, you know, undigested food, stool, um, bad, you know, bacteria, whether it's good or bad, starts leaking into your bloodstream. And your bloodstream's like, what is all this? And it starts attacking. And this is where you see a lot of people, um, the, the system is attacking itself. And they get all these, the joint issues, the muscle aches, uh, or even like extreme autoimmune conditions, whether it's IBS, colitis, Hashimoto's, things like that. Yeah. Yeah. I remember it was uh, summer 2017. I did uh, an elimination diet of all of these, uh, plus a few more. And uh, I did that for four weeks. And when I brought back in gluten, oh my God, like it knocked me out for days. Like it hit me within an hour of just brain fog, fatigue. My entire body felt so heavy, like to carry myself up a flight of stairs was insane. And that's when I realized like, okay, gluten's got to go. But it's interesting because um, previous, before I took gluten out, Joe and I went to Europe for a couple of weeks and I it didn't, didn't bother me. Like I was eating bread over there. I was eating pasta. And I know Ken, like you've chatted about this many times uh, through many conversations we've had about the difference between, you know, uh, over in Europe versus North American wheat. Yeah. I've seen with clients. So, you know, I used to train a lot of cyclists and they'd go over there and a lot of them were Italian. They did race in a big race called the Pinarello. And they'd all send me pictures, all the cousins, the brothers, there's like seven of them. They all show me their ad pictures. Ken, look at us. They have bowls of pasta and, and bread. And then Sure enough, maybe not even a month after being back, you know, distended midsections, you know, body fat in the midsection, eating the exact same things, you know, all these like, it's, it, and they were, they were blown away by it being Italian going, wow, you know, like, Hey mom, I can't eat this cooking here. I don't know what it is. You know, I, I can't do this for And that was mass for me was always going to Trinidad in the summer. I'd go down Trinidad, eat food, skin would clear up. I've always had eczema, came back, skin would flare up again. I always thought, wow, what's going on? Is it the salt water? realizing it's just how the food was tampered with. And that's, uh, you know, a lot of people, even there's a time where I saw a lot of people having acne, you know, from a lot of the, the gluten they're having, acne on the jawline, acne below below the lip lining there, you know? So uh, joint pain, I remember having more joint pain in my 30s than my 40s, 
like squatting down to pick up the kids and be like, oh, it must be all the heavy squatting. I'm like, no, it's, I think it's just from the inflammatory response, right? Yeah. Um, I was talking about elbows. You know, a lot of people in fitness, my elbows, my elbows. It wasn't from warming up. It was from <laughs> inflaming my liver from having gluten all the time, right? So Yeah, just because it's uh, produced differently um, in North America. Uh, it's it's interesting, you know, if we if we think about wheat, right? If you think about a wheat field, what do you picture? You probably picture like, you know, long like strands of wheat. Um, but it, it was interesting when I, I think it was, um, what's that gluten book? I can't remember it now. Wheat the, Belly? Wheat Belly, yes. I remember reading that and learning about uh, the the process of, of how the wheat industry has changed so much and how, how wheat it's actually only maybe two feet off the ground at this point, because they can get a, a more robust uh, crop out of it. And wheat would not even survive out in the field on its own, the way that it is um, cr- uh, grown these days. So there's so much man <laughs> involved with the production of it and all these things that go into it in order to harvest a bigger yield. Sorry, Sorry, go for it. Sorry, go oh, for I was going to say, you know, and just looking at, you know, where, where are you buying your food from? And is it just a, a corporation that's focused on profits or is it a company that's really focused on improving the health of humanity? Absolutely. You know, and even with, with wheat, we started having it so we could be fatter, so we could exist, you know, when we stopped being nomadic, right? So wheat was known to put more body fat on your child. So him or her could live longer in case, you know, they didn't have the agriculture keep up. So that, if that alone tells us, you know, we, we knew back then there was something with wheat that allowed us to survive. Except for now, we don't have to worry about food as much. So eating Dempster's bread four times a week is not helping us. Right. Yeah. I didn't know that. That's it. I knew corn was meant to like fatten up cows. I didn't know wheat was uh, initially created for, to keep us out of famine. Right. And and now we are overfed and undernourished at this point. Soy. I know soy can be a bit of a, a controversial topic. Um, and so, Brat, what's the deal with soy? So organic fermented soy in small amounts, probably not bad for you. In fact, some of the phytoestrogens there can actually help, especially women with certain menopausal challenges. But soy here in North America is, again, so modified. And it's also processed in manganese containers. And manganese beyond a certain level starts becoming a neurotoxin. So it starts actually causing a lot of cognitive challenges. Besides, uh, soy is also known to um, not only cause inflammation, but even start making you make excess estrogen. So it starts pushing your own natural body, your body's natural levels of estrogen, uh, which, you know, not only causes health issues, but for people uh, who care about fat loss and aesthetics, it starts at showing up as body fat around the hips, the lower abdomen, the legs, the glutes, all those areas. So soy is not, you know, uh, as uh, divine as uh, people will make it sound. Yeah. And we'll finish up with sugar, sugar, sugar. Um, I think, I mean, you have to be hiding under a rock if you hadn't, haven't heard something negative about sugar, even though it's something that a lot of people don't avoid. Uh, and so, Ken, what's so bad about sugar? And is there natural sugar that we can have um, as opposed to refined white sugar? Yeah, sugar for sure does a couple of things. Number one, it's going to stimulate your adrenals. You know, and that for a lot of people, you know, if you give someone sugar in the night and check them the next morning, the lower back will be sore. Most people say the lower back stiff because it once again, it, jacks your adrenals up and that pulls out water, makes the discs, you know, dehydrate, they get stiff. And most people have a stiff lower back. And most people are like, wow, that's a pretty interesting way of looking at it. Sugar affects your brain. 
You know, we, we see, you know, when they do the MRIs on the brain, how sugar's affected it and stimulated in a way that almost like other drugs have, you know, in a cytatory way that's damaging, slows our immune system down. That's a big one. So when you put sugar in our body refined, our immune system cells literally just kind of chill out for an hour or two after. So like, what does that mean for invasion, you know, like, and, and for things like that? So it also depletes B6. And boys, B6 depletion causes aggression. So, you know, they knew that in the 70s when they'd feed, you know, jails, populations, uh, they'd pull B6 out and they'd have riots. So young boys get rambunctious when they have sugar and they think, oh, you're behavioral, but it's the sugar. I said, so in girls, it doesn't seem to deplete the B6 the same way. I said, but these are all things that change cognition, brain function in the morning, right? It slows down brain, actually speeds it up. And then it's hard to focus for a lot of kids. So sugar has a lot of things besides insulin. You know, obviously disrupting insulin, which is that hormone that we release when we eat, which will help put on body fat. It'll age the system. It age our skin, our reproductive, our brain. Like, so we're looking at PCOS, dementia, like you can go on for days. So I've realized that sugar is not my friend. I've had it my whole life. <laughs> I've swam in it. I've drank it. It's been my elixir, but it's just broken my system for too long. You know, yeah. and at some point you have to natural foods. Yeah. You know, having fruit to a level, fruits and things like that, I find can be fine, you know, also depending on how your gut environment is. Obviously, if you're having fungus or mold in your system, having fruit morning, noon, and night before bed, or having fruit with meat isn't great, but it's better than having white table sugar. Or when growing up in the Caribbean, brown sugar we thought was better. And as a child, I was laughing with my brother. Like, Remember when you thought brown sugar was a healthier version of sugar than white? And I'm like, maybe it's less refined. Maybe it is, but it, it's still sugar. You know, and we try to get away from different things. Sweeteners like monk fruit seem to be the thing to, to use now, uh, better than stevia in some cases, uh, depending on who you're speaking to. But sweeteners are another issue that we go off and try to avoid sugar, but still cause issues, right? Because the body doesn't, like putting a fat, a fat molecule and a carb molecule together and saying, hey, the body's like, I don't know what to do with this. I don't even know where to put it. You know, and sometimes processing sugar is actually easier, natural sugar. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Um it's interesting when you when you learn about all this and realize that everything you put into your mouth and that goes into your body should be a source of fuel for our cells and for our body. And if we're eating foods that are processed, you know, void of nutrients that cause inflammation that, you know, back up our systems, we're actually doing like such a disservice, you know, to ourselves. And, you know, you look at chronic disease and how it's on the rise. It's no wonder, like this stuff is in everything. Like it's, it's in everything. And and even for myself getting off gluten a couple of years ago, it was like a six month journey of like, oops, I didn't realize gluten was in that. And I realized like, but when you start, when you start to remove these things and you start to actually feel vibrant and your skin gets better and your digestion gets better and your sleep gets better and your energy gets better and your focus gets better. It almost becomes, or I could say for myself, my pain threshold went way down, right? Like if I wake up bloated in the morning, I'm like, okay, I got to go back to like, what did I eat yesterday? What is causing this? And so brought if, if we, you know, have any, uh, you know, people listening here who want to start taking their clients or even themselves off of these, you know, corn, dairy, gluten, soy, sugar, what would be that process and maybe some tips to help people do that? I think first just start with an assessment, like look at what's in your pantry, what's in your fridge. Uh, what are the things that you tend to have? And maybe that starts with just tracking your food for the first week, you know, and just looking at that and doing a scan and going, okay, I had gluten these many times, or I had dairy here, or, you know, wow, I didn't realize I eat this much processed sugar. Um, so just first becoming aware, like, what am I doing right now? And then depends. There are people who may go, great, I can wipe off all of these, no problem. Or there are people who are like, I'm going to pick 
which one am I having the most right now? Or which two, let's say. Great, you know what? I'm going to cut off uh, processed sugar and I'm going to cut off gluten or cut off dairy because right now, you know, that's what I'm having the most. Um, and so they cut that out. And then so it could be a slow process with like, let me just pull this one or these two out and see how I feel and be consistent with it for, you know, maybe a week, two weeks, three weeks before they go, okay, I am having, you know, let's, let's pull the corn out. Where's corn? Where's corn coming from? Right. And then kind of also being aware of all the 200 names that corn has, right. Like from high fructose corn syrup to fructose, to corn, to, um, MSG, you name it, like there's so many different names that they have for corn. So even just looking at that and going, I, I would say really the simplest thing is if you you cannot draw the ingredients. So if you read the ingredients and you're like, I can't draw that. I don't know what that is. Just put it away. You know, like it, it is really and truly it's that simple. But again, depending on the person, they may need to make that transition. So just start with doing a scan, track your food, and then pick like what's the easiest for you to eliminate. And then just start with that. And then also maybe look at finding alternatives for things that are hard sticking points for you. You know, so if you're like one of my earliest joys was coconut ice cream. As a child, I knew ice cream did not work well with me. I just knew it. And as soon as I found, you know, first it was actually almond ice cream and then it was eventually coconut ice cream. That was something I could have, you know, it's still had sugar in it, so let's not go anywhere too far, but it didn't have dairy and that was better. So finding alternatives to things you like, buying, buying rice pasta instead of whole wheat pasta, you know, uh, buying, you know, and just doing those exchanges so it isn't, we aren't just eliminating, we're bringing in new things and still keeping things that we like. I'd probably be a next step after we do it, but it said is to go to there and then, oh, you still have that flow in your life. You're not just rigid, rigid, you know, you're, you're starting to bring other things in and taste new flavors, right? Yeah, that's such a good point. Cause I know a lot of people are like, well, what can I eat? Like all of my favorite foods have been taken away. Um, but looking for those replacements. Uh, so I love the coconut ice cream too, Ken. It's kind of like, well, you know, dairy would bother me more than sugar. So you know what? I'm going to enjoy the coconut ice, ice cream. And even right. like, you know, I think, you know, if anybody's listening here wanting to take out these foods, you know, take them all out for a while and then put one back in and see how you feel. Like see what it does to you. Cause all of these can have a different symptom or reaction. Um, all of them, plus everybody individually can show a different symptom or reaction from it as well. Um, and that, that's, you know, the, the beauty of doing an elimination diet to really see like, Oh, cause I know, I know what soy does to me now, which my soy sauce and sushi is something I'm still, still trying to work on. Um, but I know like <laughs> soy sauce for me, it, um, makes me scattered in my brain. Um, so that neurotoxin brought that you're talking about, like, I can definitely feel that. Um, it makes me tired. Gluten does everything to me. Uh, sugar, that that's definitely adrenal thing. Cause I know I deal with adrenal issues, dairy, the mucus and corn digestion for sure. Yeah. See, that's odd. Like, yeah, even with my kids, I noticed three different ones, which each one of them, they each had different ways of showing the same thing, like skin issues to cysts, to acne, to, you know, joint pain to that. Like for me, same thing. Corn is my skin's dry. Yeah. Like, you know, that that's really all it is. Gluten, I'll rip my skin off itching <laughs> dairy. Not so much, but slowly over time, my stomach will get bigger and I'll gain weight. That's all that'll do. Uh, soy, I find for me again, dries out my skin. And then sugar, I've, I'm in denial. So I won't even talk about sugar. It's just, <laughs> I think it's fine for me. And I'm like, what do you mean? I'm like a guy, a cokehead. He's like, what do you mean? I'm fine. This is how I am. Okay. And I'm realizing now it's been four months. I haven't, I literally have had zero processed sugar. 
realized I've always had sugar in my life all the time. At some way, like it's an almond milk or rice milk or summer. And having it out and just watching my system heal, mm. as opposed to you know me barred having these expensive teas and having all these things. Like maybe I'll just sleep earlier and literally not have any sugar, and my system just been getting better instead of like you know going to gurus on the top of a mountain to give me an elixir from a, a pig's buttocks. And I'm like, I just maybe I just won't have sugar. Just take the sugar out. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I just accept it. You know, yeah. like <laughs> yeah. Sarah, do you get the same reaction if you have gluten-free soy sauce? Uh, yes. Yes. Oh. Yeah. Or so, so I don't know if maybe it's the gluten-free soy sauce or something in the sushi. Um, I mean, I know there's, you know, mercury and, and heavy metals that can be, but it's, I'm not eating like, you know, loads and yeah. loads of it at one time, but I do notice my, I just, I feel it's almost an ADHD. I guess I can say it that way. It's a distraction thing. If I was to sit down to like try to write something, I'd be like looking at my phone and on my computer. And like, I just, it's like a nervousness inside. Mm. My, yeah. my son, my son has that for sure. And my daughter, when they have uh, soy and certain foods, they recognize like, I can't concentrate They're like yeah. all over the place. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Uh, Brad, anything you notice for yourself with these particular foods? Corn mostly. Um, so whenever I've even tested, uh, like they done food sensitivities, gluten, Gluten does not show up uh, unless I have it often enough. So, which is rare, but let's say if I've had, again, this is years ago, but like if I had, um, I can't think of the food I was having, but I remember once getting, doing my third food sensitivity test. And before that I was not eating gluten, but then there was like a month period where I was eating something. Oh, uh, there were those chips from Bulk Barn. Uh, you know, those triangle ones I used to bring to the studio always. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I had a problem with those. I used like two bags almost every day and, uh, it was a stressful time, but anyway, uh, so there's clearly corn and gluten in there. And then when I cut it out and I went for a test, uh, gluten was through the roof. Um, so, but right now, like, I, again, I haven't had it, like, unless it's creeping in from somewhere, but I would say corn, corn, I can feel it. Like if I have it. Even if it's organic, like twice, more than twice a week, I will feel it. But that doesn't mean it's okay to do it twice a week, right? Like it's just the, the symptoms become obvious if I have it more than twice a week. Yeah. So I would say biggest thing is corn. Uh, dairy, when I was, like when I used to be in that bodybuilding world, have, have whey proteins and, uh, you know, put uh, raw, uh, full fat cream in my coffee in the morning before training. Uh, I used to get a lot of mucus, but I, at that time I didn't even know these things. So I was like, hmm, okay, I'm mucusy, whatever. Uh, but looking back at it, I was like, whoa, okay, that's that's all the dairy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's it's interesting how much we think is just normal or something that we see so frequently or hear that people are, you know, if people complain about the same thing all the time, you know, whether it's fatigue, oh yeah, I'm tired today. Being tired just becomes a normal thing. Um, when in reality, you know, true health and vitality is not that. It's the opposite with no symptoms and functions running at, at an optimal rate. Yeah. I remember my son snoring at nine months, nine months. We had to take him into ENT. And uh, again, I didn't, I was kind of learning this stuff then, but I wasn't, you know, fully... I got this. And she goes, is he having deer? And I go, yeah, but we've been reducing it. He was just getting off being breastfed. And she's like, yeah, pull him off that. Before we remove his adenoids, his tonsils and half of his face, I said like, let's, and then two weeks, boom, snoring stopped. So then he started saying that was once he could speak, he's like, I snored last night. I think I'm having too much dairy. So he started getting a connection 
Mm. And even if people think it's an age thing and you outgrow stuff, we had a client number board. She was like 55 and she had acne and high blood pressure. Lady had been to every doctor specialist in the States. Um, high blood pressure, 200 over 100. So they were like, you should be dead. Wow. So I said, well, just take off the Furious 5. Let's get off dairy for sure. Because really the only one she was having. Acne cleared up. Blood pressure dropped to 150 over 90, which hadn't moved in four kinds of blood pressure and water pills in years. Doctor called me. What did you do? What did you do? How did you do that? I go, I took her off dairy. He called me an idiot literally on the phone. I said, she needs that for her bones. She's 50 something. Put her back on it. Her blood pressure shot back up again. So I blood scanned her. Dairy didn't show up. She was Swedish. Blood pressure, blood, um, dairy didn't show up. So she said, should I have it? I'm like, I think it's the chemicals in the dairy. So it's very important for people sometimes, even though we don't see it on a food sensitivity test, it doesn't mean we react well to it. And it's that's just one part of the Bible. There's the Quran and other things that we need to read and understand, right? So yeah. yeah. As we as we wrap up this conversation, you just touched upon something that I I, I think we should make note of here uh, and to let the listeners know. What if someone says, I need dairy for my bones and for the calcium? It's not, I disagree with that. I say, you know, like dairy, without having other minerals in it, the dairy that is, or the calcium that is actually in dairy is only absorbed 30% of what they say is on the bag or the bottle. You need other minerals for that, you know, and dairy is not the only way. You know, there's so many places your green vegetables will bring you calcium, but you need D3. Vitamin D3 is one of the biggest things that help our bones actually stay strong and not break when we're older or younger. So vitamin D3 chops, it tops anything you could get uh, getting a bag of milk for sure. Yeah, good, good. Debunking mist there, debunking mist. <laughs> and you also look at, you know, why people say things like that. Oh, I need, you know, I need milk for my bones. You look at the marketing, the mass marketing that was done for decades about that. And, you know, just the programming put in people, whereas, you know, you can, you know, get calcium from other sources as well and vegetables um, and live food that actually support us way better than um, something that's inflammatory like that. Yeah. I remember getting stones. I had stones from that. So at 16 years old, the doctor said, do you have stones? You got to stop drinking milk, dude. That's he told me because your calcium is too high. I was like, oh, really? Wow. Okay. And then I, my bones didn't fall off. I'm, I'm here. <laughs> I'm yeah. still here. Yeah. What I think things are taken out of context too, right? A lot of times, whether it's headlines or, you know, new research, they always say like, let's say for example, yeah, dairy is great for bones. Okay. And then what else is there in dairy or where's the dairy coming from and what else is it doing? So I think sometimes I remember reading this headline going, popcorn has more phytonutrients than vegetables. And maybe it does, I don't know, but what else is popcorn doing to you? You know, so it's like, so for the phytonutrients, do you want inflammation? I don't think so. So uh, I think a lot of these headlines or these, these things that we see on even social media now, or they get taken so out of context. And I think a lot of it is just looking at the world through a straw, you know, they're not looking at the whole system or the whole food itself. So, yeah, yeah. Awesome. Um, if anybody wants to download our Furious 5 manual, uh, there's a link in the show notes down below. You can grab that. This will let you know all the sneaky hidden places of corn, dairy, gluten, soy, and sugar. Um, great uh, list to be able to transfer out some foods. Um, there's a food log for your clients. We have like a bye-bye five um, challenge in there for you to help you with your clients as well. So grab that in the show notes um, to go deeper on this topic and really learn where these ingredients are um, in probably the everyday foods that you're using. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you, gentlemen. Good conversation. 
Thank you. It was awesome. Thank you so much for joining us on this episode here today. Let's hang out over on Instagram at Transformation Mentorship. And better yet, take a screenshot of this episode, upload to stories, tag us, and let us know what you loved about the episode. We'll see you next time.